0: this time loop thing how did you get out of it oh, I simply boosted the circuits and broke free you came back of your own accord well I Doctor. no no I'm afraid not now obviously the time lords have programmed the TARDIS
1: always to return to earth it seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo-yo
0: galactic yo-yo the podcast where doctor who fans share their unpopular opinions of the world and i have to do with them i'm your host molly marsh and i thought i'd do a more traditional out and about um podcast intro today i'm just on my way to a nearby shop um to grab some oyster mushrooms i'm making a mushroom pasta dish with all kinds of weird and wonderful mushrooms. Um, so I'm looking to get some oyster mushrooms to complete the uh, the, the dish. Uh, I'm also gonna buy some single cream. and I'm also gonna buy a little bit of pasta too because it looks like our cupboards are not doing so well for pasta at the moment. This week on the podcast, um, I spoke to Chris Johnson, um, ex CBBC presenter, podcaster, Doctor Who fan, former Five Who fans, member youtuber in his own right um he's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve has uh, Chris and we discussed them in depth uh, I ended up talking to Chris on the phone for about two and a half hours about his career and about um and about his opinion that Doctor Who is a children's television program um I've managed to cut that down to a 90 minute podcast um he had a lot to say, and I, I really enjoyed um, chatting to Chris. He was absolutely lovely. And he's someone um, I've been meaning to get on the podcast for a couple of years, actually. We've been in, in um, communication for a while, and um, you know, Chris is a busy guy, and, and our schedules have just never quite linked up. But, um, but yeah, it was, it was nice to finally do the episode and, and get to talk to him. So I'll stop waffling now. This is the second in my run of weekly um, episodes. It's nice to be putting these out uh, weekly again, actually. Um, I'm enjoying enjoying the momentum of it, and I hope you're enjoying the extra content. There are some episodes coming up that you really, really do not want to miss. I've recorded um, the next two already, and I've got another one, um, another recording that I'm doing this week um, that I'm really excited about. Um, But for now, It's Chris time, so without further ado, oh dear, somebody's not happy. Um, Without further ado, here is my conversation with Chris Johnson. Fantastic. Well, when I interviewed um, Ben Cook a couple of years ago, my first question to him was, what does Russell T. Davies smell like? So my first question to you, Chris, is what does Hacker the dog smell like?
1: (laughs) Oh, I thought you could ask me what does Russell T Davies smell like? Um, I mean,
0: if you've got that knowledge too, I'd love to hear. It, I'd love to hear a- your answer because Ben's answer was success.
1: I was going to say um, uh, rich tea biscuits.
0: Oh, great! Is that a yeah, good
1: one? well, not necessarily the smell. One of the, the biscuit One of the worst itself. kinds of
0: biscuits, aren't they?
1: True, but they're also warm and and you can rely Homely. on them, and they yeah, go well reliable. with the brew. Um, hack of the dog. I mean, the the on-brand answer, like, if, if there were a CBBC representative monitoring this, I would have to say, he smells like meat paste and sadness. Okay. But um, <laughs> in reality, he just smells a bit dusty. <laughs> it depends on how old that puppet is, to yeah, be Yeah, okay, okay. Completely
0: stripped of his magic there, Chris. Thanks a lot.
1: Uh, um, yeah, I'm so sorry to break it to you, but Hackety Dog is uh, dusty. So obviously
0: um... <laughs> obviously people know you um by and large from your presenting work on children's television on children's BBC primarily. Yeah, um, for which I apologize. Th- what what is it like to have that legacy? <laughs> How often do do you get recognized in the street? What yeah, what was it what's the experience like of having been a CBBC presenter?
1: Oh, I mean, uh it's it is it's absolutely a kind of uh it, it, it what what's, what's the thing about Spider-Man says the the Toby maguire movie it's like it's my gift right. my curse yeah it's like, it's it's definitely an up and a down um it's it's brilliant to have been a part of it and and to to have made so many like you know shows and guested on things and mm-hmm. done all the bits in between all the broom cupboardy things um but it's you know it, it, it's a lot of work all oh, my days like yeah, I back can when imagine. it was yeah, back when it was me and Ed, and me and London, and me and Dodge, and me and Hacker, it was the the way it worked was Monday to Friday, so you didn't stop, like you didn't take a breather. Um, yeah, you were always making stuff. You were live for several hours, and you were pre-recording for the rest of the day. Um, it didn't end, uh, uh, but it it definitely got into people's like you know living rooms because to this day I get. Usually, the, the most common interaction I get to this day is like college and uni students coming up to me and being like, "Oh, I used to watch you all the time," and I'm like, "Oh, great, cool. Right, you yeah. look like an you look like an adult."
0: Because I, sp- <laughs> I was, yeah, I suppose that is the the age bracket because you're a little after my time, really. Um, yeah. <laughs> like I'm what 20, 25. so you're you're a little after my time in terms of kids' telly. But it's still yeah, what f- five years now since you, since you left C B C
1: yeah, about about four since about four since Shout Out Saturday ended, yeah. and about um, two since I did my last series of all over the place. Which so is I, I've, enough time yeah. for kids
0: to grow up, right?
1: Oh yeah, which terrifies me because like, I I am at at the t- at the time of this recording I'm I'm 29, so I don't particularly feel like a wizened beast. Like I still kind of think you must have I'm...
0: been a youngster then when you when you first got the gig.
1: Yeah, I got it at 18 um wow. and to turn, turn 19 is that normal or is
0: that, or, or d- is that a, a strange precedent of that set
1: it depends really on which era it is uh, they, they nowadays they tend to skew much younger for for starting presenters so they go right. for 18 19 but i was uh i was a little bit of an odd one out um but I, it was because of the way my audition went they they were looking for someone to partner up with ed petrie and they were like how do you follow a cactus well you get a a stupid little teenager and like see if they'll work. And luckily, me and Ed Petrie have the same kind of sense of humor, and they were like, you two will work well together. Uh, so I think I was a bit of a, a fluke because the two people I auditioned up against in, in my final screen test back in 2009, boys and girls, was uh, both of them were a little bit older than me, and both weren't like, I, I, to this day, I can't say who, but like they were known, mm. they had profiles, and I was sat there in the audition going, yeah, I'm, I'm not getting this. Like there's no way I'm getting I'm the kid who has no track record. I'm mm-hmm. not getting this job. So, um I killed them and <laughs> then I got the <laughs> No, 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 no. Disclaimer. I didn't kill them. I just took them for a very long nap. And uh, right, right. uh I yeah. So uh, it, it's it was a early start for me and and now i'm meeting people who are the age i was when i started mm. who when i started were were seven, kids watching eight, you nine. yeah yeah who, who Which go, must be quite
0: I, frightening for someone as young as as you still are to have mm. kids coming up to you and saying they remember you from when they were a kid
1: i've never felt so kind of mortal <laughs> yeah I mean,
0: it must, it, in a sense it must make you feel old but then, in another sense you're only 29 so like yeah, lots of people have not even started their career by that age
1: yeah it's uh, and that's where the swings around roundabouts come in like you, you sort of like I, i'm as of the last sort of two three years i've very much been a jobbing actor present a voice artist so it's about yeah. getting the jobs as and when and you know working shop jobs here and there to, to keep things ticking over and working on other projects podcasts and this that and the other sure um and i'm at that point now where i'm like oh the journey i'm currently having is the one that i would have had uh, at 18 19 20 yeah. 21 yeah, yeah yeah um had i not got that job at that time so it's 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 a weird sort of like am i going backwards what is this it's like no you just I don't did... think there's
0: such a thing as backwards in, yeah. in life i think that's a yeah that's the wrong way to look at it probably isn't it
1: oh absolutely i, I agree with you it's it, i what i did was i i just did things out of the the usual order and that's it like i'm now doing the other bit for a while and we'll see like i'm hitting my 30s That's usually when people get booked to play teenagers in like cw (laughs) sci-fi fantasy shows right yeah yeah i'll be on the flash next week you know playing a 10 year old that's right yeah
0: (laughs) do people ever do you ever get phone calls from like the you know the british gas or whatever and and they go hang on don't i know your voice from somewhere aren't you dennis the menace
1: you know you know i had that once and i can't remember no i was joking no really no that's happened that's happened at least once i think it was vodafone i think it was vodafone i was on the phone to vodafone about something. And the person went like, I just, uh, I was on hold. I think they were typing in the final details. And they went like, sorry if this sounds like a weird question, but like, do you, do you like present on kids TV? And at the time it was like Chris and Hacker. So if they had young kids or younger siblings, or were just secretly watching kids TV, then I was in the living room. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I I do. They were like, I knew it. I mean, I saw your name and I I, I heard your voice. was like, I thought it was you. Oh, wow. So What's the puppet like? I'm, sorry, uh, um, I, I'm trying to they argue from that. They were asking
0: what what hackers smell like on the
1: on the phone. <laughs> what does your dog smell like? Yeah. Well, uh, meat paste and sadness. Because um, at that time I was under contract, so I had to say that.
0: <laughs> how then is how is kids telly? Do you think? So how has it changed since you and I were children? And Ooh. how has it changed since you were a fixture of kids telly? It's kind of a, uh, a, a double question, then.
1: Yeah, I think it's. I think it's over the course of like when we were younguns and when I was like part of it, and now I think it has changed, in some ways for the better, and some ways for the worse. Being being candid, I think sure. there is, um, that th- there there's a bigger respect for the um, kids audience who have grown up and evolved with technology. You know, you, you can meet someone with a three year old or four year old now. Who's you know three or four year old can unlock their parent's smartphone and like yeah. bring up the right thing for them and and which which completely blows my mind but at, at the same time like you know we we've seen technology adapt and change whereas kids yeah I think technology
0: technology is so tactile now isn't it as well yeah it's it so it's so child friendly like
1: and, and that that's what it took uh, children's BBC and, and other children's channels in the UK it took them a while to realize oh yeah kids can do these things like they they have this access they understand it in a way that we making the content don't or at yeah, least don't yeah. really appreciate and so so for the better i think it's adapted especially in the last few years the downside of that is there's also a lot of trend chasing mm. uh, and i think when we were younger and it was competition more from on, less child friendly oh, yeah. things
0: like tiktok and and instagram oh, right
1: just like if 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 And I can't speak for anyone currently there, like, because I don't know what they're planning because, you know, I don't have meetings with them or anything. But like, I wouldn't be surprised if somebody within Children's BBC or Children's ITV or somewhere is going, right, there's this guy called J Station on YouTube who does 3am calling Pennywise the clown videos and all these kids watch it. How can we do something like that? You just know somewhere someone's thinking that without Mm. then going, I mean, that's the worst decision we could ever make. But they're looking at just like the numbers and, and the interaction. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, the, the, you know but that's, that's I think where it. the
0: BBC differs, isn't it, from other from other platforms? Is that it, mm. it's kind of the BBC's role is kind of akin to a a teacher role as well, isn't it? A little bit, not entirely, yeah. but there's a the, the, the BBC has a responsibility to not only entertain children but to show them the right stuff and to kind of educate them and make them media literate in a in a positive way.
1: I mean, it being a British institution, I think, sort of built in with that. It's seen as a a responsible arm of of entertainment and media. And, and, you know, you will still get people who make odd decisions and who make decisions that you look at and go, what were you thinking? Like, what is that about? Where they've just chased a trend or that they've, you know, that they've copy pasted a formula from somewhere else. and, And it isn't quite the right thing, but there are enough pairs of eyes and hands on these things that, you know, will stop the... The too ridiculous from getting out into the final product um but that that's uh, that's one of the weird side effects of having been part of that machine is you sort of see these conversations uh usually from people who have you know a much bigger position than you more money and more pulling power Mm. and you're sat there going god i really hope they don't go ahead with that because that sounds ridiculous that sounds so bad that is kind of
0: akin to (laughs) literally any industry especially in the arts but also elsewhere as well is that it tends to be it tends not to be the people who are the decision makers who actually know how to make the informed decisions if you get me
1: i've always said that the pyramid's upside down yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and that's it, true in, that's true in every especially. sector like that's true in education
0: yeah. that's true in the arts it's yeah. it's true of everything pretty much
1: like the, the bottom of the pyramid regardless of whether it, it used to be a wide base or now it's a tiny little triangle point like the bottom is where the people who care and want to make the right decisions and changes all are for sure um, and, uh, yeah, now there's more and more people above them that you, most of them, you know, like to give everyone the credit, most of them do care and want to make the right decisions, but you just have the occasional, occasional jobber, you know, the occasional, like, oh, I just want to, I want to get promoted. I want to get promoted. So mm. I'm going to make these calls and decisions. And You're like, yeah, but what about the or audience? Is there,
0: is there sometimes the sense that, especially with something like kids telly that is required to be so relevant, is there a sense that sometimes, um, the people getting promoted to those very high up managerial positions are uh, uh, become out of touch with the with the audience. Do you know what I mean? Oh, Whereas someone oh, like sure, you, who's yeah. who's kind of in every child's living room every day, has a better understanding of maybe of what that child wants and needs.
1: Well, I mean, even even just sort of um, an age thing. Uh, back back when I was twenty two, twenty three, um, I was. Suggesting to the uh, CBBC's like uh, live departments and everything, we should have a presence on social media, even if we don't use it. Like we should have an official CBBC account, even if we don't use it, because then we own it. Um, or we could make stuff catered toward the parents, or the slightly older kids are a bit nostalgic for the stuff they watched a few years ago. Like we should, we should do that because. You know that then we have that thing, we have that presence, we have that that body out there in in Twitter and, and Instagram things like that, but we don't we don't make it our focal point. It's just a little bonus, a little extra, a little bit of extra cheap marketing. Sure. And it w- it was it was sort of it wasn't just me. There's a few others saying this, and it wasn't really going anywhere. And then about three years ago, suddenly, YouTube account, Instagram account, Twitter account, hackers got social media, and I remember thinking like I wasn't sat there going that was my idea because. <laughs> Other people that had the idea, but I was sat there going, "Why did it take this long?" Yeah, like, that I was, I was talking the to them about this so three, years three years prior. Yeah, yeah, it just it's 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 an odd one, and it's because I was there in my early twenties, going, "I understand what impact this would have on people a few years younger than me," and for sure, because uh, when you're in you your know, early
0: twenties, like it, you know, it's only. It's only you know a few years since you were watching kids' TV. Really, it's only you know only ten years <laughs> well... or so since you were since you were actually engaging with the with the with kids' TV.
1: Well, part of the reason I did well in my first screen test at the age of eighteen was because Ed Nowsher over my hangover television. <laughs> so I was still watching it at that point because I, I was just that. like, oh, I I was in uni for about two months before I left because I just was not getting anything from the course. I was really not enjoying it, and I. Uh, my, my saturday mornings were like watching ed and out and i think dan and jeff and i was just like this is this is what i need right now while i'm cradling my brain after a night at fifth in town that's totally like, fantastic <laughs> this is what i need gave me the advantage of that first screen test because i was just pulling program names out of my um my backside and they were like oh oh you did the research and i was like yeah the research <laughs> yeah didn't yeah. need to yeah yeah oh what sarah jane adventures yeah i've never heard of it before today yeah
0: <laughs> So in terms of, obviously at the moment you've got a, um, a, a range of projects um, going on, but the one kind of uh, that I'm most easily able to segue into from this conversation is Out of the Broom <laughs> Cupboard, which is a podcast that you're working on uh, and have been releasing episodes of uh, about Kids telling in CBC and the people that have worked on it over the years. How did that come about and what is it and why should people listen to it?
1: uh it came about because so many people said how would you get to do this how would you get to present kids tv how would you get to you know work in in the CBC office as it was then you know the broom cupboard being the the, the og version of, of CBC's presentation and I, I had to keep answering with i don't really know i know how i got into it but it's not the same story as everyone else and i thought the best way to kind of dish out this non-linear path um, you know to, to paraphrase Is there a it's, sense of that question
0: and I might be being a little bit too cynical here but I sometimes <laughs> think when people ask questions like how do you get into kids TV presenting or how do you get into acting or performing or whatever of somebody who has been successful like you it, is there not a sense that what they're re- they they know really that it's very hard to get into those things and what they're really asking is have you gotten in for me? <laughs>
1: Oh, I've had th- I've had those conversations before, where it's sort of like, could you? Is not that there's anything a... wrong with
0: that, with that kind no, of networking. not at all. But yeah, but
1: it's it's ambition and it, yeah. it's drive and it's a passion. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it's I sometimes feel think... like
0: they must know that there isn't a straight answer to that question that you were so easily able to provide. Do you know what I mean? They must they must know that.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think people mis- I think people mistake you being there me for meaning that you've you've got like the power to make those decisions. I. You know, I I couldn't for the life of me when I was doing Monday to Friday at CBBC <clears throat> I couldn't for the life of me like get a meeting with the commission in person just to make a suggestion. But like, that wasn't happening. No. You know, so never mind like bringing in an audition tape or a reel. Like I there was no way that was going on. It it just, you know, it wasn't an option, but like the the passion and the drive of it all is something I recognized cuz you know, I I when I left uni there was this very brief like gap where I was you know should I get acting jobs should I get a production job like what should I do I'd like to still make things so I I, I totally get it and especially nowadays like you know like auditioning for things and applying for things I, I get that hunger um, but it, it's it, it, was. I thought it was just better to go look there is no direct path. Mm. Here's a bunch of stories. Like, it isn't straightforward. So here's how this person and this person got For into sure. this part of it and this part of it. And,
0: Which I guess and, and can serve as a form of inspiration, right?
1: Yeah, it's it's because uh, everyone has different approaches to to their advice and and their you know the wisdom they're imparting in the podcast because it's also a laugh it's it's an educational podcast but we we faff around and and joke about nonsense and all sorts and and reminisce and the uh, the producers of the show who are the patrons they get to ask you know the, the questions they can ask whatever they like and that keeps it kind of light and fun but it's also a way of saying hey you're not doing anything wrong you just have to listen to this and know that it's not it's not a step-by-step plan. There are things you can do and every different person, presenter, puppeteer, producer, everyone I get on the show, they have their own advice as to how they they got to where they are and what their opinion is. And sometimes, you know, the advice clashes, but I think it's important to hear those different voices because, mm, you know, advice isn't as simple as, oh, I've got this one book and it's told me what to do.
0: And I guess it, it must be reassuring for people that, that surely in everybody's story, there's always an element of luck as well. It must be reassuring yeah. to know that as a as a artist or as a performer or whatever, that you're not you know, doing the wrong thing. You just maybe haven't had that stroke of luck yet.
1: Yeah. I mean I, I my my philosophy's always been that there is no when it comes to this stuff, there's no such thing as luck. It's about preparation meeting the ideal moment. Which sure. sounds sure. like so it sounds like such a motivational kind of I mean, like no, no you've you got to understand. It's a combination, isn't it? for sure. Yeah. Uh, But at the same time, like uh, in this upcoming series, um, uh, Bobby Lockwood talks about, no, like he talks about how luck, as far as he's concerned, did play a part in when he got certain opportunities for roles. And, you know, that's like you said, it's about the different viewpoints and and you, you might listen to one guest and go, Oh, I love them, but I'm not sure about their advice. Then you'll listen to the next one and you'll go, Oh yeah, no, I get that. I connect with that. All right. I see what that means. And ultimately it's, it's, it's a way of going, Hey, this ain't <laughs> this ain't straightforward, but you might be able to game that system a bit if you listen to the right voice, and, sure, and sure take take from them what what you will. Yeah. Um, plus, it's an excuse as well in the, these odd times to to like catch up with friends or people i have not had a chance to talk to for forever yeah. and be like, hey, let's 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 shoot the chisel about the stuff we used to do, and while we're at it, let's let's teach somebody a thing or two.
0: Yeah, and it's surely just interesting to hear these. Uh, perspectives from from all of these interesting figures in in Telly, right?
1: Oh yeah, and and it's, it's been an excuse for me to sort of touch base with people I've not I've not seen for ages, or I've not had a chance to talk too much as well because yeah. I I'm just like, hey, would you be interested in giving your take on this? And they go, oh, yeah, yeah. sure, mean, let's I go. I relate for to
0: it. that. I mean, I, the reason I, one of the main reasons I started this podcast back in 2017 was to have the opportunity to speak to other Doctor Who fans. <laughs> um, you have. <laughs> uh you have myriad of podcasts though because you also make <laughs> big damn cast as well yeah <laughs> what's what's big damn cast and why does that exist and what do you do there
1: well this is unique you see no one's ever done anything like this before it's uh two <coughs> two uh white men in their 20s sit in a room, usually at the moment remotely, but sit in a room and talk about comic books and movies. Now, no one's ever done this before. It's so unique. But uh, yeah, I, I, in case anyone can't smell the sarcasm through their headphones. Um, it, it began four years ago, I think. Yeah, 2016. It was an excuse for my my best friend Matt and I to take the stuff we were catching up on pop culture-wise that we love during the week and bottle it because we quite like joking around about stuff speculating all the usual stuff that you know these media sites do except we check our sources um screen rant i'm looking at you and we uh we thought let's just turn a microphone on why not we would twitch streamed a bit let's, let's turn it into a podcast yeah, yeah. and yeah. here we are 220 sa- 20 it, odd episodes later <laughs> it sounds
0: like it was quite a low pressure um thing for you
1: Oh yeah, it's it's it's. What's great is in a period where there might not be a job happening, or where there's that little gap in the middle of the week, and as a performer, I don't like feeling rusty. Mm. I feel like if I haven't performed anything in a while. Um, you know, be it you know on on stage for TV or what have you. Like I I, I feel like I'm gonna um, slot out of place. Sure. And Sure. What's nice is at least once a week, myself and Matt, who, who both come from from theatre, like we sit down and we you know talk nonsense about things we're passionate about and improvise around it and make jokes about it um and you sort of end the session going oh right well that was our class for the week that was a little warm-up that was our our check-in we were, yeah. still, were still able to improvise and think on our feet and and uh, perform for someone even if it's just a microphone at that moment that,
0: that must have been especially uh useful during lockdown
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, we, we've managed to, um, <laughs> depressingly, uh, keep an eye on how long we've like been locked down and then separated um, since lockdown, the initial lockdown ended. And it's it's weird when you look at the playlist of episodes for 2020 and you go, that's the one where we were stuck in our homes and it ended that many episodes later. Uh, I've not physically seen your face, Matt, for that many weeks. And, oh, I'm sad now. Um but yeah, we've we've persisted. And a lot of that's been down to Matt. He he very early on I said if you ever want to, you know, get someone else to host one week if I'm busy or if you're busy and you need me to cover. And he went, "Nope. He Says we'll make it work every week without fail. Uh even if we can't be there, we will pre-record accordingly." And thanks to him we wow. are as of this recording 227 episodes in um without missing a week. So Well done. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'd like to thank Matt and no one else
0: <laughs> <laughs> I made the move to bi-weekly um, about 18 months ago because a wise I, decision <laughs> I found that recording weekly was especially because I'm sourcing a guest every week as well I and yeah. and editing it all solo and everything I found it just too exhausting so I I, I moved to bi-weekly and I, then I take a, a you know a break of a, a month or two every so often as well um, but yeah you've got to do what you've got to do
1: I commend you on that, because for, for the first, what became the first series of Out of the Broom Cupboard, uh, the plan was to have a guest once a month. So one episode would go out every month, and and it was going to be 13 months for season one um, was the initial plan, and then things got wibbly and complicated. So uh, I went to Pantomime last November, December, and that meant- Oh, no, you didn't. You, uh, I'm off duty, and and by contractual law, I can't reply. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um i'm really sorry i'd have, to, I'd have, to, really I'd have sorry. to charge you if i if i gave the other half of that line i would have to send you an invoice um, <laughs> um so i i uh i recorded a few ahead of time so that they could go out during that period and then uh lockdown happened and things got wibbly and the reason series two is is a shorter series and has been done remotely well, it's it's,
0: it's behind you now
1: yeah oh <laughs> oh 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 i mean i respect that but oh i'm so, I'm so sorry <laughs> no no, so no, no, sorry. no no no, i respect i respect i respect <laughs> the grift i respect the grind but also oh oh uh, <laughs> never apologize um no uh that that's why series two has been made the way it was i, I spoke to the, my patrons and i just said hey you guys produced the show i wanted it to be a time capsule uh should we do it from home and that's why now it's one series the next series of broom cupboard it's one series of five episodes which are going to be coming out over a shorter period um and series- one of which
0: is is going to be an interview with our very own russell t davies right
1: R- russell the davies yeah yeah which was was fun i i approached him back in the early days of broom cupboard and said you know do you want to make this work and he was like absolutely like t- chat chat with you about kids tv let's do it why not i was like fantastic uh and then he went into production on uh boys which is now called it's a sin and uh they had some production sort of juggling in the first block and he got more involved and it felt like it was going to be a oh we're not going to make this work we're not going to make this work but he kept touching base every now and again to update me and then um when i you know settled on series two with the patrons being something we'd record in a block in september october i reached out to russell and he went yep when do you want me name a date in the next three weeks i was like oh two weeks from now and he's like great let's do it marvelous and i was like brilliant um, and that was fun because he got to kind of talk about something he doesn't talk about often, which yeah, is specifically yeah. making kids telly. And, and and he's got a lot
0: of experience there that he mustn't get asked about much in interviews.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, we talked about, um, yeah without giving too much away, everybody check out the broom cupboard. But we talked about like the one time he presented kids TV, like his one and done stint right. as a presenter. Uh, uh, I didn't like, even
0: know that had happened.
1: And I know. I sprung it on him and he sort of went, oh, I was kind of hoping you wouldn't ask me about that. <laughs> I was like, no, I want to hear this story. Come on. Uh, we talked about dark season and you know, like essentially discovering Kate Winslet and, sure. and you know, a uh, uh, legacy of shows like the Sarah Jane Adventures and, and, and Wizards the versus of
0: Aliens, that. I assume as well. Oh,
1: I love Wizards versus Aliens! Yeah. I, I, I am like, <laughs> here's, here's something people sometimes ask me about CBBC. Did you do you actually like any of the shows? And I'm like, seriously, I've got like a top ten of like these things are golden. I absolutely am a fan of these shows. Sure. Like Presenting into them made me happy to tick off my list. And Wizards is on there. I will champion Wizards till the day I have all the magic drained from me by the Necros ship. I wish um, I could say I'd seen it. Oh, it's really good. It's, it keeps popping back on iPlayer from time to time. It's like a Saturday morning cartoon brought to life. Mm. It's really, really fun. Um, and it's all, it's all the, sort of the production teams that worked on Sarah Jane Adventures, yeah. So y- yeah. you get to keep that. That kind of that, that energy and that that quality there, yeah, and 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 the cast are amazing, and uh, you know, Annette Badland's in it, being adorable. What what more do you want? You know, she's not unzipping her forehead, but she's being adorable. Sounds great. She's not shaking her booty. She's doing other stuff.
0: <laughs> Speaking of which, we should probably talk about Doctor Who a little bit because we we haven't touched on it yet, really. In Never heard of it. What what, in. It,
1: what is it? I don't. Well, I'm not aware <laughs> of this. What is it?
0: <laughs> so you. <laughs> Look, so I've interviewed a lot of members of uh, the former YouTube channel Five Who Fans on this podcast over the years. Never heard of it. Don't know what it is. And... No clue. <laughs> <laughs> and you obviously were a member of Five Who. So you were You for, for a while you kind of uh, did videos with Five Who Fans, and you were uh, get you guest starred in a lot of their videos. And then for the last year of Five Who Fans, you became a full time member. Yeah. What, what made you do that and what was it like um, yeah to be a member of five who fans um, the crazy world that it is
1: I mean I I adore that group I, I kind of I kind of uh, uh, slowly materialized into their their friend circle, like over the course of the late 20, 2000s, early twenty tens. Sure, because uh, I crossed paths with Richard a little bit on a thing we nearly worked on together on YouTube. But then I started talking with John, and 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 I, I've always been a fan of them, like uh, of their early stuff, and I I loved what they were doing with early Five Hundred fans, and and um, I I just. I, I kind of stuck around, and I think because I'd sneak references into to CBBC links and things like that, they quite appreciated that sort of stuff. I mean, I spent an entire day of shout-out Saturday wearing the t-shirt I'm currently wearing, actually, which says, Billy and Livy and Crystal and Richard and Dan on the front. Um, that must of, have been of, so
0: great for them, to uh, for you to be wearing that on telly.
1: Oh yeah, I, just, I took a photo, I think. I just sent it to Billy, I was like, so this is on CBBC this morning, <laughs> like... <laughs> it's just for you guys. That's like so no one fun. else is going to understand this, but it's just for you. The thing is, with um, Five
0: Who Fans, is that it's, it's <laughs> it was always so different from every other channel like it. Do you know what I mean? Where where there's oh, nothing yeah. wrong with reviews and stuff, and obviously Five Who Fans sometimes even did reviews, but it they always went for a different angle, and they always you know you even if you read the title of a video, that was never really a description of what that video was going to be. <laughs>
1: Oh, my favourite Five Fo video to this day is why William Hartnell is the worst doctor. Yeah, it's I so love good. it so much. Because yeah. it's it's you know, it it's just a discussion about how John and Billy were feeling about series seven at that moment in time, interspersed with twenty forty-eight clips and Billy getting annoyed with Hartnell's face. Yeah. Which which thanks to thirteen, like thousands of Did other people have no experienced that frustration. For sure, yeah. <laughs> And uh, and and yeah, it's like their most disliked and nasty comment section filled video because people just read the title, have a yeah. go at them, and then leave. Also, they
0: they were a bunch of trolls as well, Five Who Fans.
1: Oh, absolutely, I, and that's part of why I loved it because it was it, there is but in the there most is,
0: lovable way.
1: Yeah, there's undeniable love for the show. Like, there's the only reason it began in the first place is because they they adore the show and the worlds of it and the, the people involved, the writers. Like, they're they're super fans of Doctor Who in every possible way, and that's why they're able to. Take the pish out of it, and, and really, yeah. you yeah. know, just like let's let's rail on it a little. Let's 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 take the Mickey. And when, whenever whenever
0: appeal. I you know I'm running for a bus or <laughs> in the rain and running home, I always still shout, "Get in the church! Get in the church!"
1: Oh my! I mean, just every, and that's every... thanks to Five Two fans. <laughs> oh, they've 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 left some marks. They really have. Um, when we. <laughs> so B- my back wife once and i again, do-
0: it's a renegade master that's the other one. oh
1: oh evil time lord killing all the people yeah. we, we my wife and i are doing a youtube project that she started called doctor who review where we're where we're watching every bit every bit of doctor who from the start that is available in the to entertain bbc range right um and and as soon as we got to the colin baker era we sat down watching the twin dilemma for the first time she just turns to me halfway through and goes is there a video where Livy's just singing Colin? And I'm like, right, okay, after this. <laughs> <laughs> we're putting that on because I've not watched that in a while. Uh, my, my involvement as as the the 10th and final member, the one who put the bullet in it. Sure. Is, um, but they they kind of <laughs>
0: knew that they were going to end the channel when they got you on board,
1: right? That's that's part of why I said yes, really, because yeah. they, they asked me in, uh, I think it was late 2017, Billy first approached me the You're the, with you're the, the Christopher idea.
0: Eccleston of Five Who fans in a way
1: yeah yeah well I'd, I'd like to think so in all walks of life um um i, I, I often walk around um oh god what was the part Hayton park and uh yeah. tell people that i hope the world takes shit everywhere <laughs> <laughs> i love that man undisputably <laughs> i adore him i bumped into him in in the most casual situations more times than i have family members oh, wow. insane um and he's my favorite doctor so that helps um but, so, but you're the
0: mancunian who did it for one year
1: yeah, I, I like just I call it the Salford Shuffle. I just like shimmied my way in there, yeah. and it's it's because Billy approached me like late 2017, early 2018, and said, "So we're gonna end the channel in uh, early 2019. We're gonna end like Five Who Fans as as it is, um, and there's gonna be a there's gonna be a gap soon. Um, like at this point, the, the plans for Crystal to leave and John to come back were there in place, but he said Livy's gonna go, and I want you to to uh, fill in the gap after Livy goes. And I was like, oh right, okay. Um, first off, I'm really sad that Livy's leaving. <laughs> but like, secondly, I don't know because later in 2018, I was I was going away to get married, so that year I was very focused on like, you know, maintaining a living, putting money to one side, and 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 doing all this. And I said, I just I don't know if I can commit to to making regular stuff for Fufu fans for a year or so. And that's when Billy said, no, it, it's definitely ending January 2019. And that's why I'm asking you because I know that you'd kick yourself if you didn't at least sort of have the nudge and I was like, sure, yeah, you're right, oh, I've got ideas though, oh bugger, all right, yes, I'll do it and um that's where we sort of laid that foundation Because I think I think I was a member officially from like early summer 2018 to the end was something like that it was less than a year I think' a uh, short
0: a short stint, but remember that yeah. one.
1: Yeah, and... Uh, oh, thank you. And, uh, and you, my, and you my... always
0: felt like you were part of the FIFU fans anyway, because you'd, well, you'd yeah. guested in so many of their videos for so long, yeah. and uh, you'd felt like a member of that family, so... It, and it, I, and yeah, I, lo- it I looked an awful lot...
1: I looked an awful lot like that Slavine, who looks suspiciously like YouTuber TV presenter and uh, voiceover actor Chris Johnson as well, yeah, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He and I shared a resemblance, so I was like, okay, for I'll, sure. I'll come on and, and fill that role and wear Dan's skin. Um, and... <laughs> and yeah and i shot so much stuff with them like one of my favorite videos is pre my era and it's the uh what um oh once upon a time lash the, the the second of only two crimson zones that dan made the twilight zone parodies like that was just an excuse for me and matt from big damn to play with a ventriloquist doll and create a weird little horror story that has nothing to do with doctor who except a copy of time lash appears in it and a time lash then yeah, shows what, up in dan's
0: it. videos were always <laughs> the most tenuously related of anyone's to doctor who
1: and that was that was my big like. That was my big inspiration when I came in. Was just, I I love what everyone does, but I especially at that point was really digging Phoenix and Dan's approaches to it all, which was it's so on the gonzo. surface. Yeah, on the surface, this has something to do with Doctor Who, but really, none of this video has anything yeah, to do with it's Doctor just a, Who. Just a
0: weird short film that you, <laughs> yeah, that you it, Doctor Who is a vehicle to get there, but it's yeah, it's just some that weird when- fuckery that you want to put into the world.
1: Well, that was when my first full video was... a was, uh, Alright, so I'll let you guys vote on the Twitter and we're going to do it. We're going to do a full-on watch-along for Love and Monsters because the channel's not had much serious review content, so let's go. And then I spend the 45 minutes in complete silence just watching a screen and, and not commenting on it and going for a pee halfway through. And I just... Like, I knew, like if I do that's that, that's a troll move.
0: It's a troll move. If I do move. that,
1: for, yeah. If I do that one first, the people who are like, "All right, I'm on board for this nonsense," will be on board, and everybody who's <laughs> going to hate me will hate me early on and know not to tune into any of my future videos.
0: I remember watching that and 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 putting it on and being like, "Oh, this is like being excited to watch it, watch a Love of monsters," and then being annoyed <laughs> that it wasn't going to be that, and then laughing. So I sort of did the yeah i went through a cycle
1: (laughs) oh brilliant i'm glad it worked (laughs) i'm glad it worked that was my i wanted it to be the five who fans video equivalent of that family guy joke where peter bangs his knee and winces for like three minutes straight yeah yeah it's like it's funny then it's
0: funny funny (laughs) again then it's not funny then it's funny again like any stuart lee joke
1: yeah pretty much yeah it was my comedy vehicle that was it yeah I, I, ch- sure. I chucked at least one serious video and edited the, the Stephen Moffat is afraid of death essay and I was like there we go like I genuinely want to talk about there's an essay video but after this it's going to be if I made that video it would be
0: it would be continued by the phrase and that's why I love him <laughs>
1: You know what? I've had a. This isn't my spoiler alert, everyone. This isn't my unpopular opinion. I've had a bit of a turnaround on Steven's stuff. I didn't, oh yes. <laughs> I didn't enjoy. I didn't enjoy the era really as it went on. I think. He, I think he's an exceptional writer, but I, I just had issues with his showrunning choices and a lot of his character choices. But I think because now I know what to expect with the later half of his stuff that I didn't enjoy. It's so good. Go going in, I'm able to now focus on like that. Though, oh, I really like. Oh, I see where you're going with that. And it's you know, it's revisionism I've gone from, is a big yeah, part got, of Dr. Yeah, I've who. gone
0: from being someone who wasn't sure about a lot of the showrunning choices he was making while they were happening, to being a total Moffat fangirl kind of uh Moffat apologist. <laughs> I, I, I just I'm obsessed with everything he did on the programme. Um
1: I'll never go to I'll never go to for him as a man because like I was in his house once and he didn't offer to make us a brew, so I'm um that's you know like is that, isn't it that is yeah rude. you know i mean sure he was on a deadline and <laughs> he was having to finish the script for uh i think it was a uh, deep breath but like you know for anyone who's curious it was for a blue peter competition thing i was one of the judges i didn't just break into his house and demand for a cup of tea
0: <laughs> but not to offer a, that is rude maybe he didn't have any milk and he was embarrassed
1: that's true. That is, see, that is true. But Maybe like, he's like
0: me and he doesn't drink tea or coffee and he didn't want to He didn't want to kind of face the humiliation of offering you squash.
1: That's very true as well. I mean, it might have had something more to do with the fact that I was wearing a t-shirt with Rose on it and he was probably just thinking, oh, one of them.
0: Here we go, yeah. In yeah. my
1: house. Oh, dear. They've made it in. <laughs> They've infiltrated the house.
0: So how, how did you become a person who wears a t-shirt with Rose Tyler on it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, you see, there was this T-shirt with Rose Tyler on it, and I thought that looks nice, and I bought you it. You know out. what um, question I'm really asking? I know, I know. <laughs> I'm being a cheeky, facetious monster. Um, I a, a Five Who Fans troll, if you will. Um, yeah, for me, my earliest Doctor Who memory and the reason why I, I fell in love with it initially was uh, at the age of five. I was on holiday with my dad, my stepmom, and my stepbrother in Newquay. And I don't have too many clear memories of when I'm little, but I remember this very distinctly. We were in a caravan, like a static in Nuki, mm-hmm. And that was the only evening of this holiday where we came back. It was like a half term, I think, or a half term or summer holidays. Um, the, de- the what I'm about to say, will make it clear what date it was. I've just forgotten what day it was, but um, that was the only evening where we didn't like go out to eat somewhere. We came back to the caravan early because my dad was really excited about something being on the TV that night. And, uh, I, all I really remember from that evening was blue police box. I remember a man being shot in an alleyway and being really worried about him. But it's okay because he woke up again 20 minutes later, but he looked different. Um, and, and I remember the motorcycle chase along the highway and and the guy being really excited about his shoes. Uh, and afterwards, I was just like, what was that, Dad? Like, what was it? He's like, oh, Doctor Who, it, it was a TV show this this was like it coming back to telly and that planted the seed so the tv movie was the you know the the first thing that, that got me curious and then, that's rare yeah it's it's to, to to be to be hit on that one evening like that's the one evening where i'm like oh okay years go by and you know you, you see daleks in in the you know the in popular culture you see them out in in you know the in in the, <laughs> the, the, CBB... the common sci-fi the vernacular C... yeah
0: in the cbbc idents as well at one stage I feel oh, like yeah, I'm the yeah, only person yeah. in the world that remembers this because I've mentioned Not it rem- on the podcast a bit and no one ever remembers uh, it. But it was p- before- it was pre the revival, right?
1: Uh I think I think that was true. Yeah, the, the ones I always remember is the ones sort of from the Russell era where there would post boxes yelling exterminate. in right. one of the idents but but there there was definitely Dalek imagery in the 90s. Absolutely, it was around there was,
0: there was one it was the early noughties where all the Idents were like those green blobs that would sort of break apart and morph into various different yes, things. Yes, the bugs, and, yeah. And one of them became a Dalek occasionally. And I remember, well, you, I remember being completely blown away by it because obviously
1: Doctor Who wasn't on telly <laughs> at that point. And I was just like, that's Doctor Who. Like, Oh, there were Do- Doctor Who fans scattered around kids TV, especially in the 2000s. Steve Ride, who's the, the wonderful producer behind shows like Dick and Dom in the Bungalow and the Slammer, um, he, he's, uh, he's fond of Doctor Who, uh, or at least those who work for him are because there's an episode of the Slammer uh, which for those who don't know, it was a sort of a sitcom meets a talent show set in a prison for bad entertainers or entertainers who'd committed an entertainment crime. Um, it, 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 you know, back when like BBC entertainment crime prison entertainers didn't sound like a dangerous phrase. Yeah, <laughs> back when it yeah. was a, fr- a frivolous, that wouldn't non-threatening really wash now. thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it was an amazing show, but like in one of them, there was a clown. And I remember watching this and being like, that's Colin Baker's coat. He's wearing Colin Baker's Doctor Who coat, and he was like, "It, it because whoever in wardrobe or whoever the producer signing off for the costumes had gone, oh, use that because they must have just had one in one of the the wardrobes at the, the at their disposal." And they were yeah, like, "Oh my yeah. god, that's brilliant! Use that, put that on." That's so, so the, fun. Th- th- there was always like nods to Who throughout everything, and um, that, that those little glimpses of stuff like growing up, you know, kept me interested in this show. We went to the Dapol factory and uh, and did the tour of the. Oh the monster gosh, exhibit. wasn't that fantastic? Oh, it was amazing. I was terrified. It would be so shit now. So many as well. things. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Like we now thought it was like...
0: fantastic, and it would be so, so shit now. Because
1: they're all just crammed into those glass cases yeah. in, a, in a dark room. But hey, yeah. you got to sit in half a Dalek, so that was cool, I guess. Billy um, Garrett
0: John. Was it Billy Garrett John or was it Matt Toffolo? I mean, they're interchangeable anyway. But they they they're one They one, one being. Of them told me this <laughs> brilliant story about how they were too frightened to. Uh, Walked through the Doctor Who exhibition, so oh, they, they oh, turned um, all the it, lights on for them.
1: Yeah, it's it, it's. I think it's Billy because the malice yeah. was in there and it freaked him out. I've seen him talking about that before. the The the, the malice prop was like sat up, looking all freaky from from the awakening. It's kind of frightening. There is some mm. kind oh, of something scary, kind
0: of un- uncanny, and unsettling about it, especially I mean, so- because it's kind of oldie worldy and it feels kind of.
1: Oh yeah. I mean the opening yeah. of it, wasn't it that like living room diorama with like a mm. mannequin kid peering behind a couch. So it was already it was There's this is a bit freaky. About it. Yeah, and, also and because then, you and, then know and then the Mara's the costumes... like shoved into a case and and yeah. yeah.
0: But because you know the costumes are so old, they're sort they've sort of got this kind of um alchemical quality to them where you're like Yeah. That is yeah. from another era, that is from the past. It feels like it feels like a, a real life Morbius creature in a way. Do you know what I mean? It yes. feels like an, an ancient thing that could that could suddenly come alive again.
1: Like when your school group uh, gets a bit ahead of you in a museum and you're the last kid in the room. Yeah, and yeah. Man- ma- exactly the mannequins like are all around you, dressed in World War Two outfits, and you just sort of like, um, yeah. It's exactly that. Oh, like I feel that. Whereas the.
0: Where is the 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 new Who exhibitions that they did were never as frightening. Even though oh, they yeah, were really great, they were never as frightening because they the the costumes didn't have that same alchemical kind of oldie worldness. It, it
1: was a bit more of a sort of sensationalism to that to that the yeah. later exhibits, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Doctor the Doctor exhibitions. I mean, uh, the only time in any of those that really freaked me out was 2000, ooh, early 2008, because they had the Manchester Science and Industry Museum. They had oh. one on, and they had the Raknoss, the Queen yeah, of the Raknos.
0: I was just going to mention that because I went to that very oh. exhibition myself. <laughs>
1: She was terrifying wasn't she? She was so yeah. big. And she and they oh, had her sort freaky. of
0: animatronic, right? They had her moving a little bit. I, yeah, she yeah. was like
1: sort of uh, sort of uh, kind of leaning down a little and and just sway her upper body swaying from yeah. side to side a bit. They and, always oh, had yeah, good exhibitions
0: in that room though because that's where they had the animatronic dinosaurs as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, Science and Industry Museum, which has a slightly different name now, I can't remember what it's called, but it's, it's it's brilliant. If you can ever get to Manchester folks in the in the aftertimes to um, do pay the Science and Industry Museum a visit. It yeah, is definitely go there. One of the places in Manchester that had a, a police public call box just in one of the exhibits for no reason. It was always just in the the place with the, tra- the steam engines, the trains, mm. and the airplane stuff. It was just there and there was no... There's no like little placard no plac- about it. No. So it was like, oh, that's someone who's arranged this exhibit has gone, go and put that over just, there. Yeah, don't, just leave that there. Don't explain <laughs> it, just leave it there. And, and that was, uh, I mean, going, going back to like mannequins and exhibits and stuff, that, that was where my love of Doctor Who was cemented because in the late 90s, BBC Two and uh, then UK Gold, which we had at my dad's, uh, started showing repeats uh, of the Pertwee and early Tom Baker eras. And that was when I fell in love. That was when I was like, I love this. This is great. Because I watched Spearhead from Space, shat my pants and was hooked. Like that was it. I was like, this is terrifying. I can no longer be left in a room with a mannequin. That man looks funny when he's fighting those rubber tentacles, doesn't he? This is great. <laughs> like it was that, that absolutely solidified my love. So it was, it was a few years after the TV movie when I suddenly was given the option to to absorb more than one story, and, and that, that did it for me. From that point, I was hooked. Late 90s, I was like, this is it. I love this show. Can we get the DVDs? Oh, there's only one out right now. Okay, well, when they do more than The Five Doctors, can we get more DVDs, please? And uh, it went from there to the point where 2005 rolls around, and I'm, like, the only kid in my school, in my high school. Uh, 2005, so I would have been 14... Uh, which would have been, I guess, da, 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 year nine, year maybe? nine,
0: year 10. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I was, I was, I was the only kid there who sort of knew what was about to happen and was going, God, I hope this is good. I hope it's good. Cause mm. then other people in school will talk about it and I'll be able to go, yeah, that thing that, you know, my pencil case that looked like a a, 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 a silver dog. Yeah. Well, that's from that. <laughs> it's from this thing. Um, and luckily it was brilliant and, and it just sort of, yeah, it, that that was when it 2005 was when I went this is one of my favorite things on the planet. Yeah, I absolutely it was adore me this. too.
0: Like I liked Doctor Who before and I had a knowledge of it and I would occasionally watch one with my dad, but it wasn't until it came back that I was like wow, this is my thing and it's fantastic and I you know, I'm obsessed with it and I'm not and I'm not thinking about anything else right now.
1: Yeah, and I just that was I fell in love with with the the, the tone and the execution of it all um chris became my doctor because you know paul Paul was paul and sylvester were my first technically but i was too young to really get it um john was like the one who i really fell into during the repeats like i loved tom but john was the one where i was like this guy's great he's like james bond in a cape and it must Um, have
0: been great that that rose was is kind of modeled after spearhead from space
1: Mm. with Spearhead oh, I mean, having that, been a
0: story you fell in love with it must have been great that to definitely, see the kind of yeah. remake of Spearhead happen
1: that definitely connected to me, it was like oh it's my first full Doctor Who story of this era and it's got the same things that terrified me the first time I dived in Yeah. Um, and then, then by me and the Autons are sort of <laughs> unfortunately linked because they're partially responsible for my childhood fear of mannequins and dolls um, exacerbated by <laughs> the Blockbuster in Walkden, which used to have... Uh, for, the, for those younger listeners, Blockbuster Video was a shop where you could borrow tapes. Um, and it was lovely. They had pick and Ben and & Jerry's. <laughs> and uh, they, they had a wall in, like, 98, 99 of Bride of Chucky VHS tapes um, when it first came out, like, to rent and buy. And it was just this wall of Chucky and Tiffany dolls all along this display. So that, coupled with Spearhead from Space made childhood me go don't ever leave me in a room with something that that looks human but isn't alive
0: yeah it's a big note
1: so so speared from space you know that stuck with me rose it was like oh of course it'd be you lot of course you lot are in the first story but that just won me over even more um i've since fallen in love with chucky and tiffany and all that sort of stuff i have like a chucky and tiffany in this room on a shelf behind me so i saw um,
0: your extraordinary collection of action figures and dolls <laughs> behind you when you came on video at the start of the call
1: and all of them come alive at night um and ben stiller has to put them back in their cases <laughs> and uh and, and and then um and then when i first got the cbbc job i uh, after i got my second contract and i knew i was going to be there for a while i moved into central london and i moved to Ealing, which i thought was awesome because i was like i'm four or five tube stops away. It's costing me a lot more, but this is London, of course it is. And I can still put a tiny bit of money aside, I guess. And But I'll be near work and I can focus on work. And oh, look, Ealing Studios. That's, oh my God, like that's where they make, you know, Tipfield Thunderbolt and the Lady Killers, like all this history. It's this also is where Sarah Jane lives. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, I mean... <laughs> i mean it's not but it is it, it was weird because like watching sarah jane adventures i was like yeah i believe that's ealing but then having now been outside that house in cardiff and filming stuff on that street i'm like this doesn't look that much like Ealing. It's no. it's ealing ish <laughs> it's ealing ish well,
0: to who they've sort of given up i mean i've said this on the podcast before yeah. but like I, I always think of that scene in face the raven where it's just it's just cardiff like there's yeah. no fooling anyone
1: <laughs> yeah
0: pretending that's central london it's cardiff no question
1: Everyone knows. I think there's a rift there. It's fine. So I'm walking yeah. from from my my flat to Ealing Broadway on like my second day of living there um, to get the tube to to TV centre. And it's just hitting me every time I'm approaching the Marks and Spencers. Something is bothering me in the back of my head. Something feels off in my very soul. And it's like on my second or third day making this commute in the morning that it hits me. I stop in my tracks and I turn around and look at the street from that perspective and I can I can picture them. Like, I know they're there because it's the window that the Autons Ugh. first smash out of in Spearhead from space. Stop. And at this point, they had, like, a camping display, like, you know, sort of out, outdoor wear for the M&S, like, you know, clothes section and everything. And there are dummies in there. And I'm just looking at it like oh no i live a five minute walk from that th- shot that gave me nightmares as a child this is so weird kind of so, magical uh, too though right oh absolutely yeah i mean I, I as part of our marathon we recently watched um more than 30 years in the tardis and they sort of like recreate like an auton moment and everything they come after nicholas courtney because why not and i'm just i'm looking at it the kid it's weird that that they scared me so much as a kid they're one of my favorite monsters in the history of the show now And I am weirdly, like, my fate and the Autons has intertwined several times. I love that. (laughs) It's weird. So if I ever get replaced by a plastic facsimile, um, don't worry. I've probably just accepted my fate.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Shall we move on to your unpopular opinion? Because we're an hour in and we've not got there.
1: Yeah, this is going to rile some people, especially Five Who fans viewers uh, of a certain disposition, because I know a lot of them really got annoyed about this um, when Crystal tackled it in one of her videos. Uh, Crystal mentioned this once before, and it, it turned into a tiny scandal on Five Who fans, and then she did a, a, a piss take follow up video to kind of even take even more of the mick out of it. But I believe it firmly, and, and I'm going to say it, and some people are going to tune out immediately, but stick around. Don't do that think rationally doctor who is a children's television show it is a kid's show that is my opinion and i have many reasons for said opinion okay before you explain your reasons can i counter it with
0: a couple of things
1: absolutely i mean i i'm gonna put my fingers in my ears and say la la la. These no, are, so these are the that.
0: things that, that <laughs> i immediately think when you say that the first is that It's not on children's BBC, it happens on regular BBC. Mm -hmm. Secondly, I think, well, the Sarah Jean Adventures exists or or did exist as a kids' version of Doctor Who. So, surely that implies that Doctor Who itself is not a kids' thing.
1: So, think about Doctor Who's conception. Um, Well, we don't really know, somebody left them outside of a rift and some person from gallifrey found them and took them home now um the don't show, go the there. show is... don't go there <laughs> hey guys guess what canon is whatever the show tells you is canon deal with it so <laughs> try watching the x-men films and making sense of it anyway um, it doesn't make sense uh it was it was conceived to be family entertainment but with an educational bent aimed squarely at the youngsters in the room that was its you know sydney newman and verity lambert and everybody was there at the beginning of it conceived the show as something that would educate as well as entertain you know as, as per you know what became the soul of the bbc's remit like to educate inform and entertain that never went away for that first two two tenures of the show the heart lira is absolutely a lesson and you oh, know, you want to know who emperor nero is we're going to teach you all about it. Oh, you want to know about the, uh, you know, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre? We're going to teach you, not St. Valentine's, St. Bartholomew's Day De- That's a very dark episode I talked to you that never happened. We're going to tell you what the St. Bartholomew's um, uh, Day Massacre is all about. We're going to teach you about this. We-, we are going to delve into the realms of science. You want to learn about static electricity and how it can power mm. things. You want to learn about radiation? Well, we're going to go to Scaro. Let's teach it, you about these yeah, things. It was like-
0: never that as much as Sidney Newman wanted it to be, though.
1: Oh, no, for sure. The fantasy definitely took over and, and and the, you know, the, the, uh, the BEMs became more prominent for sure. within the show as it went on. But it still remained part of the core. The Doctor was always either teaching his companions something or they were seeking out something because they were passionate about it. Or there was a wrong that needed to be righted. So how do we approach these situations? The education continues within the moral core of the show. Now, not all kids entertainment has to be focused at molding young minds. But it should always be considerate about that. It should always capture a certain spirit and essence of of what it means to be young and to see the world through young eyes. And Doctor Who has always catered to that. It occasionally strays a little too far from that mission. I mean, you know, I adore the Six and Perry era, I love it. But a lot of that stuff is now going into like the realms of, and, and you know, like the Hinchcliffe stuff with, with Tom Baker earlier, like it's delving more into the fantasy, the horror, the macabre, the, the, the darker situations. But even in that, there are lessons about people, about humility, uh, about tolerance. Like that, that stuff is, 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 is that not there. true of, of uh, all
0: media, whether it's for children or adults though? Uh, there are a lot I of, mean, there's a lot of fiction that we, that we oh, take messages in from as, as adults.
1: Oh, in fiction for sure. I mean, Star Trek's like the, Star Trek's the daddy of them all. Like the OG Star Trek, the, the, the allegories in there and, a uh, uh, very closely sort of followed by the twilight zone in all of its iterations you know the fiction can teach us things and make us look inwards but doctor who's the only one that's ever kind of done it with that that childhood view in mind in its dna even when the people making it may not be thinking about that it's woven throughout the reason why i stand by my belief that doctor who is a kid's show is because there is there's nothing wrong with enjoying a show intended for children and I think a lot of people get very defensive about that they they seem to think of it as an insult to their character or intelligence to suggest they're watching kids t v but this show is conceived as as something to teach and encourage and 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 mold young minds and I don't think you ever really lose that. There are those who put up a barrier and decide you know very ignorantly i have I have nothing the- the world has nothing more to teach me I have no desire to hear your opinion, to hear your side of the story. I don't care. Everyone go away. I'm in my bubble. Everyone can bugger off. But most most individuals on this planet like, still want to have hope. They want to be entertained. They want to feel safe. They want to feel scared in that way that only sort of horror films, science fiction, fantasy can can do. Um, it's not about ignoring the horrors or, or the bad things out there in the world. But sometimes it's nice to think about them in a way where there's a coziness to it and and children's entertainment children's media when done right because believe me i could i could name shows that were on cbbc when i was hosting there that i'm like yeah that no one no one has thought about this when they've put this together like those shows do exist there is stuff out there i know people adore the movie madagascar don't ever show me the movie madagascar it's just blind noise (laughs) like you know there's there's stuff in that where i'm like oh you think that kids kids entertainment is just yelling what are you doing please stop that's not to knock the work of uh, that's not to knock the work of like the animators and everything but it's certain stuff (sighs) good good kids media
0: like telly books films everything doesn't underestimate kids and it does it does annoy me when people say oh kids are kids are cleverer than you think they are like that's quite a twee and commonly said thing that i i think there's some truth to but also like you know kids kids have got a lot to learn and that's why we make kids stuff right as opposed to just yeah letting kids do adult stuff so i think that's an oversimplification of it but i think kids no i agree i agree very difficult to make actually
1: it's it's so tough it is it is it's not you know, you have to take so much into consideration, and I think the reason why I get so annoyed when people go like very, very kind of you know vitriolically. Of course, if you're having an actual discussion, it's it's nice, but when people vitriolically are like Doctor Who's not a kids show, shut up. I'm like, but it it began life as one. It's at its core. And it's not talking down to its audience no, ever. No. Like, it's never talking down to its audience. It holds its audience's hand, but it never patronizes its audience. You know, different writers, different eras, different um, performances might knock people a little bit off-centre. There are episodes that are very polarizing in their execution of their stories. You know, I mean, modern examples, things like Kill the Moon, Orphan 55. There's certain ones where you go, there is an allegory here. There's a lesson here, but the handling has split the room in terms of how it's been received. Um, but none of that comes from a place of, oh, the, oh, the kid. The, it's just for kids. It's just for kids. It's never thought of that way, as all good kids entertainment isn't. It's never thought of as disposable. The people who make it put so much time and attention into it. For sure. Be- because it's about entertaining the young people in the room who it's aimed at initially. Um, but it's also about entertaining the kid inside you, which sounds so whimsical, but... It's true. No, there's this definitely year... truth to that. Oh, this year, more than any year, I have been looking for pockets of escapism here and there. Yeah. The stuff that has been bombarding us all this year from all sides, like, our, you know, our fellow um, citizens in our local area who are doing different things during this time that are either exacerbating or um, prolonging uh, tears and lockdowns and, and, mm. and states the pandemic... Our leaders are, regardless of what your political leanings are, dear listener, our leaders have been failing us this year massively in ways we can discuss and dissect and point out. And, you know, like loyalism be damned. Like if you want them to succeed, hold them to account, point them in the right direction. They work for you. But you shouldn't have to feel like you need to follow up your leaders and representatives this much. But we've had to this year and not to mention the rate of death and and illness, like ongoing effects of, of a virus that we don't really know exactly. And is it just the flu? No, it's not. But maybe it can be pushed through by this category of people and blah, 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 blah. There's so much to think about. To have that hour a week at least to detach from it all between work or trying to find new work between trying to keep your family fed and and this that other, sure. to take that one hour to go I want to feel like I did when I was a kid watching these sorts of stories there is no shame in that no it's it's about looking after your health. But mental I think health. it's more
0: than that isn't it there's a, there's mm. a a balance between that between pure escapism with Doctor Who and social commentary Yeah it it, oh, yeah. it presents for me I'm somebody who doesn't really like I have to be encouraged to watch dramas and and uh, whether it's film or TV because I find them distressing. Do you know what I mean? I find conflict. Oh, in, yeah. I, I yeah. find conflict on TV and, and film distressing, uh, so I have to really be convinced to watch stuff. And I find that Doctor Who, even though it has conflict and it has, you know, it has an emotional drive behind it, I'm never. I'm very rarely upset by Doctor Who. It's very, very rare that I will feel upset by Doctor Who, but it does challenge. It does challenge me intellectually. It does. It does present ideas to me that I have to digest, but it does it in a in a gentle way, uh, and in an escapist way, and it, it does it where you're kind of you always feel as if you're two or three steps away from the issue. Do you know what I mean? Oh yeah, and, and that's I w- what I love about it. It's a. It's a. That might make me sound like a bit of a wimp. but it's sort of no 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 it's it's, hey it's a gentle handling you digest your
1: your entertainment and your escapism how you desire like it's you have that option we're in a world now where there is so much to watch and so much to see but like I like one of the finest pieces of television made in the last decade, as far as I'm concerned. Well, longer than a decade now because it started pre twenty ten. But like, is Breaking Bad as far as writing, execution, performance, the payoff of the longevity of it all? I think it's some of the most superb TV I've I'd ever agree. witnessed in my life. I'm not going to whack that on. I if was I was just going to say, take I wouldn't, my watch, mind it. Off I of I wouldn't watch it again.
0: Like I've seen yeah. Breaking Bad. I love Breaking Bad, but it would take a lot to convince me to watch that again because it has so many distressing moments in it, and it's yeah. such an emotional whirlwind where where else i probably i'd probably put on any episode of talk to you again quite easily oh yeah oh
1: like like breaking bad love it fantastic but right now if i've got an hour and, and i want to take that hour to go i need to diffuse i want to feel mm. i want to feel unburdened i want to feel innocent and young and like cozy again just yeah. for an hour for the sake of 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 you know <laughs> spiritual and mental health like I'm going to stick on Arachnids in the UK. I'm going to put Love and Monsters on. I'm going to watch, like, Aliens of London. Sure. I I, I need that. You know, I'm going to stick a Hartnell on and it feels like a bank holiday morning watching yeah. some old black and white TV with a cup of tea and some toast. Like, it just... Th- that's. And, the kind and I don't of...
0: want this to sound like I'm saying that Doctor Who kind of glosses over me. Because it doesn't. Like, I do... I It is something to be engaged with, but it's it's in a very different way to more adult shows.
1: Hmm. Yeah. I I think as well, like we, we don't necessarily like a lot, a lot of people our age don't necessarily have the same experience that say a parent in their thirties or forties will have. And they've got a young kid. Mm. I guarantee they'll be having very different conversations when an episode finishes, like when that's over and their like seven year old daughter turns around to and is like, so, you know, so that often 55, for example, they'll be like, so can that, could that happen to earth? Mm. What does that mean? And a discussion will happen and that kid will learn something and their parent will learn something about how the kid feels about the situation. I mean, maybe not at first, maybe they'll just be like, Oh God, those things with the teeth were terrifying. And you know, they'll, they'll have that sort of but gut, it gut to reaction seed, to the episode. Right? But yeah. And it, that's what I mean about it. It, it doesn't talk down to a kid, but it holds the hand. And, and sometimes as an adult, you need that too, just as a mental refresher, just to, Like you say, don't let it wash over you. You you think about what it's telling you, what what's hidden in the story or or laced into the tale. You think about it, and that's that's fine. You know, that's fine. Whenever whenever I see someone go like, oh, it's, you know, oh, it's too. This episode was too babyish. I'm like, right, cool. I bet within the last month you've revisited a Disney classic that you used to have on video as a kid. Yeah. Guess what. That's the same sort of stuff. You're just deciding now and that you have an issue with Doctor Who because maybe there's that defensive element of it's not a kid's show. Hey, it is. It's what it began as. It can be that. And that's fine. It's yeah, and I don't ever fine. feel talked
0: down to by Doctor Who, really. I don't ever feel like there's uh, the, that it's babyish or uh, childish, really, even though it does clearly appeal to children. Although I'm yeah. going to come to that again in a minute. I, yeah, I guess, is there a sense that the Sarah Jane Adventures and Doctor Who, while they're both four kids, Sarah Jane Adventures is four kids in a very different way? Because Sarah Jane Adventures can still be enjoyed by both children and mm. adults, but it is, it is a kid's show in a way that Doctor Who isn't.
1: Yeah, if I you think understand my meaning. And i not, think,
0: and not just because of the time it's on and the way it's packaged by the BBC either. There's something about the feel of it, too.
1: I think the, the difference there is um, Sarah Jane Adventures is catered directly to the younger viewers in a way that says, hey, you can watch this on your own. Mm. Without your parents in the room, without older brother and yeah. sister in the room, the, the way that my favourite
0: Doctor Who critic Elizabeth Sandiford puts it is that it feels Sarah Jane Adventures feels like secret Doctor Who that the parents yes. don't get to know
1: about. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that I think that's the key difference. It's the one that the kids can watch on their own. Like it will scare you, it will challenge you. It still does not talk down, but it holds your hand. Like the threats in that show are very real. But it's about execution. They shoot it a little differently. Implications play more of a hand. Same way as like cartoons from our childhood, things like Batman the Animated Series. You never see the Joker kill anyone, but you see people lay on the floor with Richter smiles not moving and you're told that the Joker gassed them. I mean, you as a kid know they're dead, but yeah. they don't confirm it. They don't say that that's what's happened to you. And, and Sarah Jane Adventures happens. There are deaths in the Sarah Jane Adventures off screen. There are horrible things and scary things happening to people within the stories. But it's about that presentation. It's what you hold back. The only difference really between them, as far as like their status as a kid show, is that Doctor Who is created to be watched by the family, but it's aimed at the the youngster. It's Doctor Who's aimed at the kid, but it's for the family to watch.
0: And I guess whereas, the Sarah, Jane, Sarah Jane features is, a cast yeah. of children as well.
1: Oh yeah, like you know Maria and Ronnie and Clyde and Luke, like and Sky, like they are. Well, even they, though they Daniel are... Anthony
0: was like twenty years old when he was when he was in searching, yeah. inches, but still, <laughs> yeah.
1: he's a, he's a forever youthful individual. Yeah. To this day, he still looks about eighteen. Ostensible um, children, though. Yeah, <laughs> but like that exactly. There, there's a there's an immediate connection when when we're younger, and I, I, this gets into a whole thing about representation on, on on British TV and kids TV in particular. When we are younger, we don't we don't put people into categories unless we're taught to from a young age. Um, when you are younger, you are open. You see everyone as an individual and you respect everyone equally unless some voice in your ear at home, at school, tells you otherwise. Um, bigotry, racism, transphobia is taught. It is not something that is inherently felt by a young human. But even though kids are open to seeing everybody on the same level as themselves, and everybody is as a potential friend, and, and, and being that open, um, they still need a visual uh, connection to some things uh, at that younger age to make them go, oh yeah, that's me, or that could be me. Sure. Um. So, you know, uh, there could be a child who watches the Sarah Jane Adventures who never once saw themselves represented on screen, uh, which is quite hard because the, the whole show had a very diverse cast with people from all walks of life throughout it. I mean, you know still more could have been done, but they were never a show that shied away from doing what they could. Um, But they'll, that kid will still connect with those characters. Yeah. Uh, Whereas there will be kids who saw themselves on screen. They saw someone who looked like them or who Mm. sounded like Mm. them and they were like, Oh my gosh, that's me. Um, It's why representation in in family media and kids media in particular is important. Like, Yeah. yeah. There should be, everyone says, well, you shouldn't force it because then it's done for the wrong reasons. And I'm like, yeah, to a degree. But for young kids, you should have that wide net when it comes to casting. It should be open to interpretation. It absolutely should. A few sure. years back, there was a, there was a, a sketch show with a narrative um, premise that I, I was talking with, with someone at CBC. We are talking like five, six years ago. We had a very brief window to pitch something. It didn't quite happen, but we deliberately in it, aside from the one person we knew we wanted to be in it, we deliberately did not give uh, a gender or a name or an ethnicity or anything to the characters because we wanted to leave that net wide open. It didn't matter. Like what they did within this world was not dictated by who they are. We wanted the performer to then bring that into it. And and that's because we knew that we, we had an audience who would want to see themselves on screen, um, and connect to those characters directly. I, I
0: think it goes beyond that as well. You know, with a show like the Sarah Jenner Adventures, who'd have thought that there could be a kid's T V show that successful where your lead is a woman in her sixties? Like oh, that absolutely. is incredible. Yeah. it's so rare that we see I mean Elizabeth Slayton wasn't even old, but it's so rare that you see an older woman mm. being the lead in anything, never mind something for children.
1: The confidence of the team, like making that call and be like, no, this is about sarah jane like and she, she became is the a central role model, character you know yeah and and it's because it's the same reason why a lot of cbbc presenters over the years are of a certain kind of age or look it's because they were always wanted those presenters to feel like the older brother or sister of sure the viewer. sure and that was the vibe And and same with sarah jane adventures like when you're a kid you're not actively shunning your grandma or your auntie you're not like oh i don't like them because they're old like why would that be a a restriction and yet there was that idea of course of like we well, don't cast an older woman as the lead of a kid show why yeah. would you do that but it's like, it's
0: it's almost like um it's about the kid wanting to be sarah jane as well you know yeah, yeah never before the child wanting to be a, wo- a, a woman in her 60s like that is that would have been unheard of and still is really aside yeah, but, from a show like the sarah jane adventures
1: yeah and, and she, she's aspirational and and a role model and a comfort and she's she is like an older auntie she's like a younger grandma like that's the that was the vibe she gave to the kids she was motherly but not in that not in the stereotypical tv way of oh she's a very maternal character it's like no she's she's the hero she takes charge she's doing everything but the vibe she gives to the viewers is one of comfort and safety they want to hang out with her they want to spend time with her and they can do that through rani and clyde and luke they can be there with her um and and you know when that team went on to do Wizards vs Wiz- Wiz- Aliens, the same kind of thing continues. I mean, Annette Badland was one of the main characters, mm-hmm. and they mm. they they never like reduced her to a a granny role. She no. is Ursula is an active character who is very much a part of it and was beloved. But when I did some of the screenings, the audience they loved her, they absolutely adored her. Um, and and you know it's it's about having faith in that young audience and 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 trusting them to go along for the ride, which is, which is why I think the only difference between Sarah Jane and doctor who really as, as kids shows is that Sarah Jane's made just for the kids in the room, but the parents can enjoy it. Whereas doctor who is made for the kids in the room to watch with and discuss with the parents. Yeah. Like that, that's, yeah. that's the difference. And, and and if there's no kid in the room, it's for the kid inside the adult watching it. It's for them to reconnect sure. with that, that thing. And, and I, I would, I would posit to your rebuttal by saying I think you could put Sarah Jane Adventures on five pm on on a Sunday on BBC One, and it would fit right in. Yeah,
0: I think the only thing that would make would maybe maybe make it seem a little jarring is its budget.
1: Yeah, uh, and and they, they 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 work really well to sort of shoot around that and not not let it show. But I know what you mean. It's it's it it's, looks uh,
0: like a kids' TV show more than more than Doctor Who does.
1: Yeah, because which is another unfortunate side effect of like, well, that's just kids' TV, and it's like, yeah, because kids' TV never given enough money. Yeah, it's yeah. never given enough money to do. Yeah, that is weird, like, really, isn't it? It's like, store. why do
0: kids not deserve high budget television?
1: There are, there are, you know, there, there is. Um, I'm trying to remember what the word is. There is a, uh, there is an unfair kind of umbrella over kids' TV. A, a weird kind of. Uh, opinion of it that is just sort of an, an air, you know. Oh, well, it's just for kids. Yeah. Oh, yeah, but yeah, that, yeah, yeah. that's just for kids. Nothing should ever be, oh, it's just for kids. Because if it is, it's not been made with care and love and attention well, it, for it's that It's weird audience.
0: that pe- people see it as. I mean, we touched on, this early, touched on this earlier, but that that people see it as a kind of stepping stone to making stuff for adults, or it's a it's a lesser version of making media for adults. I'm thinking about um, obviously we don't normally utter her name on this podcast, but I'm thinking about J.K. Rowling when she first uh, first wrote the Harry Potter books. And, <sighs> um, I know, I know. Yeah, but when I she know. first wrote the Harry Potter books, oh. and everybody's saying, "Okay, she's great," but when she's going to write a book for adults? And it's like, well. Maybe she'll never. I mean, obviously, she has now, but mm. and don't I know it? But
1: <laughs> oh God, it's yeah. like,
0: well, even if she never wrote a book for adults, like that would not make her less of a writer. It, do, it oh, does yeah. not make a kids author or a kids writer or a kids, uh, you know, performer any less of a uh, what they are because they that what they make is for children. <laughs>
1: Do you remember when they made the adult covers, unquote, oh my for the God, Harry yeah. Potter books? And yeah, it was yeah, like, yeah. what are you doing? Well, so an adult doesn't feel embarrassed reading it on, on a train. adult can read whatever the hell they want on the bus or on the train. Why do they care so much about this? It's just, it's so bizarre. Oh, Marvel films, nah, it's kids stuff, isn't it? Yeah? And? Like mm. enjoy it. It's made for you to also go. Oh yeah, I used to like this stuff. I enjoy this. Like, and I think there'll, there'll be someone listening to us talk about this who's going like, well, no, they they deal Doctor Who and you know like Marvel and and, and you know especially the later like Harry Potter books. Like they, they deal with they deal with more adult themes. Yeah, they do because adult things exist in the world yeah. and children yeah, and will in, be there to the see those children, adult children, things, right? Yeah, yeah, children see that. Like you 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 telling me that a child does not bear witness to a relationship breaking down. You're telling me that they don't lose mm. a loved one mm. in the family. You're telling me that...
0: Yeah, it's a great teaching yeah. tool for children.
1: Yeah, you're telling me that they're not going to be made aware of, like, or, or be the victim of abuse within the home. Like, these things happen. Like, Doctor Who, Fear Her. Yeah, okay, execution of the episode, debatable. But, like, there is a powerful message in that Hundred that is calling out specifically to children who recognise it. And, you know, it it's, it, that is, you, you know, it's aimed at the child in the household. It's aimed directly at them. And it's getting people who aren't, you know, who are more fortunate, who've not had to be in this horrible kind of situation. its I'm talking, of course, about, like, the domestic violence side of things. I'm not talking about children who chase scribble monsters sure. and, and <laughs> borrow, borrow council pickaxes. It's, you know, it, it it's talking to people who are fortunate enough to have never found themselves in that kind of situation yeah. and saying, hey, maybe think about your neighbor maybe think mm. about that thing you, mm. you, the, you're worried about them you keep asking them if they're okay and they seem aloof like check on them make mm. sure they're all right like do what you can be be open listen we still be get stories like
0: that now i mean stories like um uh, can you hear me as much as that yeah. again the execution yeah. maybe fumbled a little but it, it it's sending those vital messages to kids isn't it
1: yeah it, and i think that's that is the power of media for children that is mm. aimed directly at children, whether it be an actual child or, you know, the child inside the viewer, that that moment of escapism where they want to feel young again. It, it's yeah. it's a way to take stock of the world around you mm. and, and think about stuff. And and of course, adult entertainment, uh, as in, you know, drama, television, <laughs> not the other kind, um, which doesn't exist, boys and girls. It doesn't exist. Uh, it's not such thing as adult entertainment. Uh, what are you talking about? No, no not a thing. Um, in terms of entertainment for adults it's of course it deals with these things of course it does of course it deals with darker stuff like absolutely it does but it it, it does it more directly it does it more bluntly it does it in a stylized way it can have that nuance where you can portray a very dislikable horrible individual and tell a story about them where you as an adult can like you know, discern their traits, you can be like, oh my God, like what was the one that David Tennant recently did about the serial killer? Dead. dead, You You can watch that and as an adult go, oh, I loved him in that. Oh, he was so compelling. I loved what he did. I loved him playing that role. And also in your head, differentiate the difference. You know, you take away... Oh, I'm saying I love David Tennant playing this horrible man, but know that the character is a horrible man. And also, this is based on a real thing. Isn't that horrible? You still think about it and you still dissect it in that way. You have a little more of of a of a yeah. uh, sort of a, a power of coherence. Well, yeah, whereas and, and children dissection. don't always have that have the capacity yeah, they're, to do that. Yeah, they're developing it and and that's why it's important to not shy away from hmm. darker themes difficult topics, sure. Yeah, because you you just tell it differently, but it's there. It it's in there. It's absolutely part of the DNA and and yeah, like, like I said it's it's you you could you could whack Sarah Jane onto Sunday or Saturday evenings. You could put a Sarah Jane Adventures repeat on directly before a Doctor Who episode. You'll have that kid hooked to the TV for the next 2 hours Yeah, and you'll 100%. probably you'll probably grab the adult a little bit early before Doctor Who starts and they'll stick around and watch it as well because it will speak to something in them as well. And I, I guess, I guess my, my my whole opinion boils down boils down to, um, don't be ashamed of enjoying things made for children, because they are made for you too. They are and it's very difficult to make you. things for
0: children. So it's it's like, yeah, I don't know, yeah. things that are made for children are, very, are usually are often very well crafted, not always, but th- also there's 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 um, a whole spectrum of quality within children's media just like there isn't mm. adults in adult media as well or media for oh, just, adults should i say
1: like the stuff that's out there you know the the, the the gravity falls of the world you know just these these things where it's like so much so much love and care and yeah. detail is poured into every Oh and, the, and there's some garbage too but that's oh, true, yeah, that's true of,
0: of all kinds of entertainment <laughs> for all ages there's one one final thing i wanted to touch on before we wrap up which is a worry i have about the current era of doctor who mm-hmm. not appealing enough to children Obviously, there are there are um, attempts to market and merchandise the show to children. Um, you know there there are books that are more aimed at the uh, a uh, kids audience, and there are you know there are games aimed at a, a kids audience. And Jody's doing stuff on um, like the educational side of the BBC, and there's all kinds of efforts like that to make the show appeal appeal, appeal to children. But its main failing for me is how irregularly it's on tele- television, and that is obviously not its fault at the moment because you know we coronavirus is a thing but that gap between series 11 and 12 and even that gap before series 11 when you're a child that's a lifetime and i do worry that children the show is is kind of shedding its audience of children in these long gaps between the seasons
1: i do i do feel that the the, the... The dirty word incoming in three, two, one. The brand of Doctor Who mm. is um, it. It is. It is. It, I don't think it knows what it wants to say at yeah. the moment, and I think it, it, that, I think that's with, a and with all the of tenant, things. it feels
0: a little bit like a legacy brand. It, yeah, it feels a little it, bit like we're in the early noughties again.
1: Yeah, it's and a, a mixture got of Tom stuff. Baker on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a There's a Wilderness Years vibe at the moment, um, and obviously I guess we
0: are of, in a Wilderness Year
1: yeah some of that's out of the show's hand obviously you know the 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 pandemic means that they're having to change how they approach production and i I don't know i I don't know anyone on the inside but like you know there's those little things out at the moment that suggest that maybe they're about to go into production of at least a block and you know okay so they found a way around it they can tell some stories could be hooey but fingers crossed like that they've found a way to do it uh so we can have more sooner um I think it's it's a lot of different factors all coming in at once that create this rift between its target audience and, uh, and and the the again dirty word brand of the show. Sure. Um, think back to when uh, Tenant was Doctor Who, and uh, you know you had two other shows running alongside it, as well as uh, two behind the scene at that point two behind the scenes shows uh, for for two of the shows. Um, you had animated stuff. You had a spin-off on kids' TV. Talk about the making of the show. You know, there, there was there was plenty of content, but it it never felt um, diluted or or overcomplicated. No. It felt very accessible. Still, um, also a big part of that is repeats. We're sort of out of the the era of repeats as well, a repeats standard. Repeats isn't
0: really a thing anymore because you can just yeah. watch whatever you want again via streaming services. So. I repeat yeah. is kind of a thing of the past in a lot of ways.
1: Which a lot of a lot of the young audience members, and again, going back to what we said toward the beginning, like they'll be thinking about it in ways we aren't. They'll mm. they know if they want to whack on an episode of a show they like and, and stream it. Like they they'll know what to do. But it's hard it's um, harder
0: to, to measure how that's happening, isn't it, than it was when it was mm, just like oh yeah. okay, BBC three is showing Doctor Who now in order for the next two weeks or whatever.
1: Yeah. And that was great. That was that was a, a wonderfully accessible time and especially for people who didn't have the option of, of the you know, the the, the iPlayer or, or the DVDs or yeah. you know, the vanilla releases or whatnot. It was great to just stick on BBC Three. and Oh, look, every like Wednesday night at seven, they're showing a Doctor Who from a couple of years ago. Brilliant. This is great. Oh, the vibe is still here. Uh, I feel like at the minute, um, even a young fan who will be online, like, uh, like they're below the age they should be to be on social media networks, but they'll be on there because their friends will be bullying them to do it and peer pressure and all this nonsense. But like... If they want to look up a Doctor Who thing, they're having to like swim through a sea of big finish pre-orders and game announcements and and you know trading cards and and legacy posts and and it it's there isn't a clear version of the show for them to grasp at the moment. So yeah, I think it is. It's growing. And I can only speak from just you know perspective of what I see on the interwebs. It's it's not like I can turn around to a child in my house and go, "Hello, random child. I've hired to be market research." Sure. Do you feel disconnected from who? But there does seem to be a, a, currently a disconnect with um, the younger audience compared to previous eras of the show. I think it began probably during the Capaldi era. Mm. I think that's when it started, and it's never quite it's never quite gra- grabbed that young audience. Back in a tangible a, way.
0: Yeah, some people accuse the Capaldi era of being too adult with moments like Don't Cremate Me and stuff like the the, the Series 9 arc and stuff like that, that people accuse that of, of kind of being inappropriate for children.
1: And again, just sort of the marketing in that time, there was, there was some decisions which, you know... And again, I, I don't have the numbers or graphs. I might be wrong, but like just spending so much time going, we've got Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. No child knows what that is. They don't care. Mm. They're aware of the name. They know it's that show that their mom and dad tell them that they have to go to bed before it starts. And, and you know, they, they don't have that same connection, whereas it should have been like, you know, uh, Maisie Williams is playing this new character. Like, here, kids, meet this character who is mm. not, or appears to be not that much older than you. And yeah. do you know what I mean? There's-, There's a
0: similar thing now with the trailer at the end of Series Eleven that just showed it showed you, you know, uh, prestigious TV actor after prestigious TV actor, and it's like, yeah. what this yeah. doesn't mean anything to me. Never mind a ten-year-old.
1: You know, show show off those monsters. Show us moments yeah. of the Doctor, the Doctor and the Fam just yeah. absolutely. You know, you think bricking, of the, yeah. it, bricking it, running away scared. You think of or the like,
0: series two trailer. It's like it's a oh, Cyberman, yeah. it's a werewolf, it's a uh, you know, it's a clock, it's a clockwork droid. It's all like you know, shots of
1: that. And the stuff that really grabs the yeah, mind the of a really are young audience. To yeah. children.
0: They, they, they just happen when they happen.
1: And it's it's yeah, I I think I think there is a disconnect. I agree with you, Molly. There is something at the moment where it's like you know this this could be done differently. It I think. Maybe the focus just needs to go back to for a while. This is a kids show. This is for kids, and we want to talk directly It's weird because I them.
0: I felt like at the start of the era, the start of Jodie's era, that is, there was a focus on that. There was a uh, there was it mm. felt oh, like yeah. that was where it was going with the the bright colours and the marketing and a, a, a lot of that stuff. But then the actual tone, like I remember being really shocked with Women Who Fell to Earth about how dark mm. it felt, like yeah. both visually oh, yeah. and tonally. I was like. Oh, like I thought, this was going back to being like a kids thing, but this feels as dark, if not darker, than the stuff we were just getting with Stephen. So
1: I think it, the, it was kind the of jarring. Vi-
0: it was like the the actual um, textual reality of the show was yeah. working against its marketing.
1: The one visual element of this era that I think really does grab kids is is Jodie. It, it's her performance. It's her energy. It's that silhouette well, for better
0: um, or for worse she's very kids tv presenter isn't she
1: oh yeah yeah yeah, and, and i and i can get i can give that authority uh, i can dish it out <laughs> like a tiny knighthood um, but like yeah she, she's it it's it's not talking down to anyone but it, it's brimming with that energy it's sure. she's a she's a she's a character out of a out of like willy wonka or something she's just yeah, burst yeah. out of that kind of world and yeah which which is fun for the Sending adults to you can up kind of see tubes the, and and you know. <laughs> drowning them in chocolate rivers oh, absolutely and, yeah and having having a suspiciously uh, correct number me. of seats on their boat you know after the after and losing two be. guests um, like she's when the cracks then start to show that's something interesting for the kids to dig into and for the adults to spot like in sure. um, haunting of Villa Diodati when it was like oh oh she actually is. She's talking down to Ryan. Mm, oh, mm. that's interesting. Where did that come from? And there's stuff to play with. But think, of, think of Spyfall. You know, think of um, arachnids and and and. Don't uh, make me
0: think of arachnids in the UK, Chris. please don't. <laughs>
1: i i'm an arachnid today was going so well i'm an arachnid apologist i'm so sorry um i think there's some really bad execution in there the trump allegory doesn't work very well especially when they hit it on the nose and i think the ending of it's all right we've saved them by letting them die of oxygen starvation was kind of bizarre but at the same time as somebody who loves schlock horror i was like damn those house spiders look good good god they look good like no one has nailed cgi spiders quite like this before um i will not sleep tonight um and i did not uh that night i was just like nope, <laughs> nope. oh my god really <laughs> yeah oh it, for me oh, wow for me it was the cat-sized one in the apartment that was it i was like that is the scariest thing i've seen on tv for weeks wow. I, oh i hate it i hate it i hate it can we pour <laughs> vinegar around all the doorways please like Crikey.
0: oh oh just oh Thank you so much for talking to me, Chris. Um, Where can people find you and your various uh, projects online?
1: Oh my my wilds whiffles and waffles! Uh, you can pretty much find out whatever I'm up to through my Twitter feed. It's sort of the main hub of me desperately begging for validation on the internet. Um, at official cdj. Uh, there you'll find news about my Twitch streams because I do Twitch channel stuff. It's like DJing but with video games. That's official cdj. Uh, my podcast Big Damn Cast is on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, etc. Weekly, every week. Um, the next series of Out of the Broom cupboard. Uh, featuring an episode with lovely Russell C. Davies is on its way, uh, very very soon. Uh, you can support that on Patreon and get access to it early. But you know, it's you, whatever. It's a difficult time in the economy. Do do what do what you need to do. It'll be free for everyone eventually. Um, and uh, yeah, aside from that, um, support your local theatres, folks, because <laughs> the government ain't look after your theatres and feed children. Um, yay, yay. <laughs> don't note, get political don't get political you can... <laughs> Galactic Yo-Yo is not political
0: <laughs> you can find um, you can find me on Twitter at Molly underscore Martian you can find the podcast on Twitter at Galactic yo Pod you can email me at Galactic yo Pod at gmail.com uh, and I will see you all next time thank you everybody bye bye